Hello and welcome to this week's episode of When You Get A Real Job Podcast. This week's guest is Denise Finlay, an award-winning Scottish figurative and portrait artist. Denise, welcome to the show. Denise, thanks for joining us here on the When You Get A Real Job Podcast. It's uh, much appreciated that you've joined us this afternoon. And uh, the first question, I almost uh, really don't want to ask this question, but we, we must do uh, the first question is, uh, how have you found this unusual time and what have you been doing to manage to keep yourself busy during the pandemic? I, I've really enjoyed the, the isolation of the lockdown. Um, I do work at home anyway, so for me, it just gave me limitless painting time without distraction, which was wonderful for me. Initially, it was a bit strange because there's so much uncertainty with, with regard to you know, how are you going to make money and things like that? Are things going to drastically change? But I think my reaction to that was just to, to work and to paint. So if I woke up early worrying about things, I would just come in here and I painted, which is what I did. And I produced a series of very small paintings, lots of what I call my lockdown miniatures. Um, That's excellent. Superb. Yeah, I found myself as an artist having to be... Uh, able to think on my feet and uh, do other things just to kind of try and uh, well obviously me as a, a musician and playing live it's uh, a little bit different obviously because you can still do your art and obviously if, I, I mean I obviously I don't know how the channels have changed have you selling your, your product but for us it's obviously totally different but uh, yeah I found myself uh, embracing a lot of different techniques. Absolutely. I, th- I thought I, I thought when Denise mentioned lockdown miniatures you were going to suggest another form of miniature <laughs> are you just thinking about 24 of them no I've, I've actually uh, that's another thing that's happened through the lockdown I've uh, stopped drinking completely it's been about two and a half months yeah that's quite impressive so Denise uh, you um, found the pandemic a useful sort of therapy if you like to the pandemic the fact that you could uh, isolate yourself and focus entirely into the, the the paintings despite the fact that we were in lockdown and uh, was there anything specific that you found during lockdown that you you wanted to focus on you mentioned miniatures was there a specific theme well y- yes there was um i suppose i'm a an artist that mainly paints people uh, and animals as well so a portrait artist or i'm known for being a portrait and figurative artist so my initial panic was well i won't be able to get models and to paint but I decided it was it wasn't a forced thing but I felt drawn to paint other things which I've never painted like parts of my home which I have always wanted to do but never done it so I you know I painted my my bedroom mantelpiece and lots of different things my bathroom and, and I set myself these challenges to do these very tiny paintings and very symmetrical actually paintings of my home so I think a lot of that came from look at spending all my time in my home and obviously not having people influence me the same models. Was, was one of the miniatures the copper bathtub? That developed from, um, in lockdown, but from these, but it was a bigger piece, yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's so. a stunning, stunning piece. Moving away from this sort of COVID thing and just sort of trying yeah. to pick up on, on yourself, uh, Denise, you were born in 1973 in Glasgow. Yes. I just want to try and find out a wee bit more about that experience. How did you find growing up in Glasgow and what was your education experience like? Well, I grew up in the south side of Glasgow in Pollock Shields. Um, I went to school in the centre of Glasgow to an all-girls 
private school, park school. And I, I liked being where I was growing up because I could get into the centre quite quickly to do things. My, you know, obviously I had to travel to school, but that's all I ever knew. So I was, I was fine about that. I think my schooling, well, I was never really that keen on school, to be honest, as most people aren't. But I think what I did notice at a young age was I preferred working on my own. So when it came to exam time, I quite liked studying, which was a weird thing, but I didn't like going to school. <laughs> so I liked being on my own working and motivating myself. So that was always there, which I can now understand, you know, why that, why that was present. So yeah, it was, a, it was school. Um, I don't miss it. It wasn't the best days of my life, that's for sure. <laughs> After your school experience, then what did... What, what did you initially want to do when you left school? And uh, what kind of career advice did you get at school to kind of aid and assist you in this endeavour? Right, well, I've had a very straight path in that sense because all I ever really wanted to do was to be an artist. Excellent. And so I left school. I applied to art school in six years school and I didn't get in, but I had been advised at school I probably wouldn't it take to get into Glasgow School of Art might take a few attempts. So I was prepared for that. Um, I suppose that's all I wanted to do. So I was very focused on, I want to be an art, artist. That's what I want to do. I want to go to art school. Possibly I'll do something in TV or illustration or I wasn't sure exactly what mm. area, but I wanted to try different things. My school was very honest with me about it. The careers advisor said, you wouldn't get, maybe get in first time, you just need to keep trying. My art teachers were great. I had one particularly that said, very good advice to me. And I was quite young at the time. Well, we'll, keep the, good, we'll keep the good advice for the end. That's the end of the okay. interview. We don't need that right, right yeah, now. No. Also, I see as well uh, that you went to the art school in 1996. I yes. think I was I, I think I was there in 1996. He said I was in the art school union. I was either having the Northern <laughs> Soul downstairs or the techno upstairs. But yeah, so you went in 1996. How did you find your time at the art school? I mean, obviously, as a burgeoning artist, it must have been very exciting. Well, I left in 1996. So I started. I left? It must have been 1991. Yeah, that's the year I graduated. It seems like such. Well, it is a long time ago, isn't it? Which is oh. horrific when I think about it. <laughs> How did I enjoy? I loved. I loved being at Glasgow School of Art for the studios, the building, um, meeting other artists. I didn't particularly love the teaching mm-hmm. methods as we weren't really taught very much. But what was good about that is it really toughened you up as an artist that you had to teach yourself. You had to be dependent on only yourself. Did you find the whole kind of environment, obviously with Rennie McIntosh and all the great artists that have come through, was that a, a great source of inspiration for you? Just the, the actual place itself and knowing what's going on there and feeling that, especially, I mean, obviously, as I say, I actually did have a place in somebody's end of year art show and she won an <laughs> award, which was fabulous, but uh, I was just playing the music and singing. But, uh, but I, I felt a great sense of, you know, you're an artist and you're accepted in this kind of place and it does inspire you to do more, but you inspire Yeah, I think that there's something about the art school or there was something about the art school that's really special that made you believe you could could certainly do whatever you wanted to do. And I don't believe it was even the teachers or the tutors, sorry. I think it was just something about that environment Mm -hmm. that's quite, that was quite unique. 
Uh, no, it definitely was. Yeah, it's, it's very sad. Every time I, th- I keep, every time I'm talking about, it, I keep forgetting as well. I mean, obviously, it's horrible. Uh, Denise, can I just take you back? You, you said that you had uh, a very good art teacher at school. Uh, was there certain uh, themes that you were beginning to develop at school that, that you're obviously renowned now as a portrait a portrait artist of both animals and uh, humans? But was that coming out of the, uh, uh, during school time? Yes, um, well, I had three art teachers, but um, and they were all good, very traditional teachers in the terms of what they got us to do, and they'd all been at art school. But there was one instance I particularly remember, and I was not very old, and we were to go around the school and draw other people. That's what we were to do. And I remember my tutor, my teacher pointing out to me that she felt I had an ability in drawing people or painting people. But at that point, it was drawing people. So she really encouraged me to think that I could actually do that. And then there was other things, but I did get a lot of encouragement from them and I felt at home in the art rooms. But this particular uh, teacher, her name was Mrs. Avella, a very, very beautiful woman, a very sensitive woman. And she, I don't know what age I was, but I was a bit older than that. I'd been drawing and painting for a wee while. But she said to me, she took me aside one day and she said to me, Denise, I, I just want you to know that you you will be happy if you go to art school. That's the only way that you'll probably be happy is if you go down that route. And I was quite shy at that age. So to me, that meant the world that she said that because it was encouraging to what I felt already I wanted to do. Whilst you were at school, you didn't know quite which direction to go in. You were thinking about, was it interior design and art? Was that, was that the option that you were thinking about during school? No, I, well, my, my careers advisor, um, they talked about you could work in TV with makeup or you could do illustration. I was quite interested in illustration because I would draw caricatures a lot. I think that was just my way of trying to understand people. So I would draw my family, but they were all caricature, which I suppose is normal for your early attempts of portraiture. You would, it does tend to look caricature. So I thought, well, maybe that's for me. It's, it's interesting uh, parallels. I uh, was at school with John Amabile, the interior designer and going through primary school, you could immediately identify that he was going to, not only was he an extraordinary artist, but all he was doing was caricatures at the time. So when did you realise that uh, the portraits would start to come out? Was that during your, your time at Glasgow School of Art? No, I think it was actually before. It was producing my first portfolio that, because if I look back, I would draw myself all the time. I, I, I did numerous drawings um, which is actually very interesting to look back on because they are all me, but because I was there, I didn't really enjoy it. I made myself look quite grumpy and things like that, but it's because I was serious you know, looking in a mirror. I wasn't trying to flatter myself. I was just trying to draw myself. And I did that numerous times. Um, and paint, the first person I painted was myself. And yeah, so I think, I don't know what age I was. I, I must have been 13, 14 when I started taking portraiture quite seriously. So that's okay. what, that was at school age. And, and would that be uh, oil painting, watercolours, or just sketching at that point? At that point, I did a lot of pencil drawing and I did watercolour because that's what we were given at school to use. I started with acrylics and then I, I went on to oils quite young. My mum gave me my first set and I didn't have a clue what I was doing with them, but I did a, a portrait of myself, surprisingly. So that I must have been quite young when I did that. But that was my that was a very early attempt. And I noticed that you've got an interesting artistic pedigree and your family. 
uh, your great-great-grandfather was the founder and director of Glasgow School of Art. And I was curious when I read that, that that could have positive and negative aspects to it. Did you find that that was inspirational for your artwork or did you find that that put you under pressure? It definitely didn't put me under pressure. I was never put under pressure. My parents were fantastic. They just encouraged us, as my sister and myself, just to do what we wanted to do. But my mum did say, you know, you could go to art school. And we, we grew up with wonderful paintings surrounding us, so they obviously did have an impact, but there was definitely no pressure. Um, I think it was a, an asset just to know. But I didn't tell anyone. I didn't ever tell. I told my friends at art school, but I didn't want the art school to know. I just, I just wanted to, to get, you know, I didn't want that to be an issue at all. So nobody ever knew till I left because I didn't <laughs> tell them. <laughs> That's like my little boy, my youngest. He's uh, definitely going down the road of being an artist. He constantly draws and he uh, plays with, I think he's, for Christmas he was wanting Photoshop and things like that and all these other different kind of design things for graphic design. So uh, again, I'm of the same ilk as with parents. You just got to kind of encourage them in anything they want to do, especially artistic expression. You know what I mean? It's uh, personally, I, I, I would, I would make sure everybody did one thing or another. If it was painting, drawing, or playing an instrument or something. But yeah, I, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. He said he wants to go to the art school, and I was like, you need to work really hard, boy. Do that. So that's him focused. The next question, Denise, is, is you're obviously a very accomplished artist. And you've developed a significant creative reputation for bold, brave artwork and within a broad range of artistic styles. And as, as much as you're, you've obviously got the uh, flair for oils and watercolours, did, did you find that you were drawn into it purely for a financial or an income? Uh, or did it have a deeper uh, meaning within your life at that point? I definitely did not go into the art world because of money it was I've not I'm not a particularly I'm not driven by money and um, I never have been I I went with it because it's what I felt really deeply that I should do and I wanted to do that I didn't want to do anything else there wasn't it, there wasn't another thing that I could have done it was that or nothing it, it was very it was quite simple for me which I'm very grateful for because there's never been a plan b which just throws you in but no I never really had any other thoughts. I never thought, oh, well, I mean, people would say, how are you going to make money out of that? And I just would say, I'll sell my, paint <laughs> sell my paintings, of course. <laughs> so I was looking at other artists, you know, as a, as a school leaver, I was looking at people like Alison Watt and Stephen Conroy, and I, I listened to, you know, even Jenny Savile, and they had these fantastic careers, and I thought, well, that's what I want to do. So if they can do it, why can't I? Why can't I have a career in doing it? I'll be honest as well, having been someone that worked for money as a bit of a gun for hiring a guitar it can lead to you being a little jaded with it you know what i mean and that's what i'd always wanted to avoid but i definitely found before the the lockdown that i was in that we paid so for me it was a kind of almost a kind of systemic break from the the status quo per se for me you know and it has led to an increased uh, output of creativity and desire to do it again just on that sort of tact denise obviously music can alter your emotional state. If you're in a angry mood, you can listen to some piece of music and it can take you away into a, a lesser uh, aggressive or a angry mode. Do you find that painting can do that? Oh, absolutely. I would say that when I paint, I th you think tremendously. So you're, I am a complete overthinker, but that is because every day 
I'm doing it in my work. You look closely, you scrutinize, you compare. So yes, I think, but sometimes it can wind you up when you're painting, if you're having a bad painting day, you end up really you know, stressed out because you're, you're thinking so much about something you can't fix, which eventually you will fix, but you don't know how to fix it. So it can, it can work both ways. It can also, it does keep me calm as well. So if I'm feeling anxious about something, the discipline of coming in here and doing that is, it's, my, it's almost like a friend. I know that sounds a bit weird, but it's my friend. You know, it's what I do. I was watching a, a report last night about Tracy Emin. Apparently this year she got diagnosed with cancer. I think it was like bowel cancer and she'd been for an operation and how that had led to this new uh, exhibition she had. And it was really, it was that, it was just vibrant. There was a lot of emotion just coming out of that. And obviously, I mean, I think that for every artist, you know, all the, the the different facets of your environment all kind of add to what you're going to do. So whether you're, in, as you say, in an angry mood or in a good mood or if you're feeling stressed, I mean, all these kind of things contribute to the, the finer points of your art, you know? I think a lot of my paintings I've written about in the last 10 years because I process my life in my painting very much and they are quite emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and I only started to realise that a few years ago. But you, if you look back, my work changes through different periods of my life and it's it's definitely when I've been going through things. And some of the best work I've done, I've been going through very difficult times. And out of that comes my best work because I process through my work, which is a wonderful thing to be able to do. Absolutely. That's, that's what I've found too. Definitely. They, there's been obviously spike points of real creativity and lower points, but they do kind of coincide, as you say, with things going on in your life at that particular time, whether it be uh, something good, bad or whatever, you know. Being a perfectionist, do you ever feel satisfied that you have finished and completed a painting? Or is it a timeline that just says, I've got to give it up at that? Mm. Yeah, well... As, it, as you're experienced in this life, you know, as you paint paintings, you, you learn when a painting's finished, you know when it's done. So, yes, but I think you, you know when it's done, but you don't sit back and think, oh, wow, that's wonderful. Well, I've never done that. The, the times I've appreciated my work the most is when I haven't seen them for a while. And I maybe find myself in a, a client's house and I see my work hung years later. And then I think, well, that was actually really quite, I really quite like that. But at the time, you don't. You see the faults. All you see is the faults, the things that you didn't quite get right. I have to actually say that. See, the other day I was listening to a whole bunch of songs I'd recorded about 10 years ago that I didn't like at the time. You know, there's still songs that are, are, I love for songs, but I just didn't like the versions. But then I put them on and I was like, oh, no, this was actually quite good. <laughs> you know, you can be particularly harsh on yourself as an artist yeah. in, in the midst of creation. You know what I mean? Even afterwards, as you say, it's sometimes a... Uh, that bit of distance you get from it and then you come back to you're like, oh no, that's okay. Excuse me, slight validation. <laughs> I think it's quite raw when you first do it, especially if it is something that you've processed and you can't really deal with that then, but later you maybe can. You can appreciate it when you've got distance and the emotion's gone. Absolutely. You painstakingly build up your work by drawing tiny lines and following the contours of a portrait, which then results with you getting strength and depth to your drawing. Can you tell us a bit more about that approach? Well, that's referring to my pencil drawing, which is very small. Well, it can go up to A4, but they're generally quite small. And they're using a very sharp pencil and I literally build it up, everything up with lines. So I'll start maybe with the eye area and produce a shape and then make a kind of realistic eye in that and then build upon it. They, they end up looking very 
solid and very detailed, but they take a lot of time. And therefore why I have to wear glasses now, because I've been doing that for so many years. Um, but that also in my, my watercolour, it's starting to go a wee bit like that as well. It's becoming tighter and more detailed. And it's strange because I do all these different mediums, but they're all important to me. But like the oil painting can sometimes be quite loose and huge scale heads, which are five foot and they're loose and they're runny, but they have tight areas. I think the technique, it came as a fourth year student at art school, the pencil drawing, as did the, the painting of the big, big heads. But I think it was, my goal was to be sensitive to the mediums I was using. So what's a pencil good at doing? Well, it's good at drawing line. Um, what's oil paint good at doing? Well, it's interesting when it runs and when it's thick. So it was very much a very sensitive approach to the medium, which I still employ with new mediums like pastel and now watercolour as well. Well, even the painting behind you, I think it's it's very interesting. I was looking at it just there and realising that there's a sharp focus comes when you get to the face and it's quite hazy around about and it's like to bring it to the, the focal point. But it's, it's lovely. You know, I mean, it's a really excellent. No, no, it's really cool. You know, I mean, it's sometimes I struggle with art. It's like, so I've been sitting now, it's got my boys love it, and they'd like take me around the art galleries. And I'm like, Daddy, what do you think? And I'm like, Okay, that's cool. And then I've got a lot of my friends were graffiti artists, and it was all very much about textures and layers, and you know, just like kind of, but it was very, very harsh in ways. And like to the beginning, and then as they, as you said, like they get the more details like later on, and the more they matured as artists, the more it changed. But that's phenomenal. I really do. Thank you. That. This is oh. it's just early on, but it's quite large. It's six foot, which you can't it's so tall. It's oh. off oh. off the camera, but uh, that's like, I mean, I do six foot square as well, so I do oh. huge. But then they go down to and this isn't even the smallest. That's one of the wee miniatures, the lockdown miniature type. So that's I do exactly. tiny wee thing. I like the contrast of the size. Absolutely, that's great. Yeah. Fabulous work. Thank you. Watching, uh, Sky Portrait Artist of the Year last night. I don't know if it was a repeat. But there was a chap on it last night that had taken just half a section of a chap. And within the time period, the the quality of his art was absolutely like a photograph that he'd taken. How he managed to achieve that level of detail within the period of time, I don't know. Which sort of moves me on to, to, to you were also a participant within Sky Portrait Artist of the Year as well, Denise. How did you get involved with that? Gosh, well, I applied for it um, for the first series, not quite knowing what I was applying for, but something about it excited me, even though I'd never done anything like that in my life. I just, it's strange, it's not my personality. Well, it certainly wasn't in the past to want to be in television. It, I would have run away, but I think I just, something in me just wanted to do it. So I did it and I got through, which was great. Um, it was, it, that situation is extremely challenging. You have four hours, a model that you don't know before you get, put in front of them. You're being filmed, you're being watched, you're being interviewed constantly. It's very unnatural for an artist. And then it's all edited. But I was fortunate, I got a lot of airtime and I loved the experience, I really did. I had a great model, I had Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, so I, I couldn't really complain. But they yeah. did request that I used spray paint because I'd used spray paint in my entry. So I was using spray paint and pastel, which was something I hadn't really done before. So it was, it was quite challenging, but it was great, a great experience. Excellent. That's amazing. I need to check it out. 2013. It's the first one, the Glasgow Heat. Awesome. I'll get it. <laughs> I can't watch it. It's too embarrassing now. I just don't want to look at it. Oh, that, my, my friend was in charge of STV Glasgow in Edinburgh and uh, he got me onto one of the, the, the shows to go and sing a song. Oh, I wasn't feeling so hot and that stuff. I was like, I don't know my voice. And every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh. 
and it's there forever. <laughs> That's the thing you need to be careful as a musician. Whatever goes out there, you know it's there. <laughs> and having been on uh, Sky Portrait Artist of the Year, Denise, you've been awarded some amazing awards throughout your career. I just wondered if there's anything specific about any of the awards that you thought you that's the one which makes me most proud. Oh, there's definitely one that stands out. And I've been so grateful for every award I've had. It's been it's been such a privilege to get anything like that. It's really encouraging for artists to get awards. But the main one is the Elizabeth Greenshields Foundation Award, which is solely for figurative work. And it's a it's from Canada, so they get a lot of applicants. But I managed to get it three times. So I had I got it the first time, which was amazing. And then I got it, I think it was maybe two years after that I applied, because you can apply more than once. So I thought, to begin with, I thought, that's a bit, is it a bit cheeky applying, but I was encouraged to do so. They, you know, they, they encouraged people to do it again. And then I got it a third time, <clears throat> which was incredible. So Well done. That's, yeah. That is incredible. <clears throat> Fabulous. Thank you. I also noticed that your art, uh, you've had private collections right throughout Scotland internationally. And you've got a, a photograph with... Uh, his Royal Highness, the Princess of Wales. Again, can you tell us a bit more about those collections? (laughs) Oh gosh, right. So I've got work all over the place because you get commissioned to do things. I think that my most recent one went to, that went abroad, went to Switzerland. I've got work in Kenya. I I had to create that up myself. This was a few years ago and I had to create it up and get it sent. Lots of work goes abroad and you don't even know because galleries don't generally tell you who buys them. So there's lots of things around there's a funny story which I'll very quickly tell you about my degree show and there was I had a sale almost a sale out degree show there was one thing that didn't sell but it was a fabulous affair and I had a, a client not well, a possible client come along from New York she was visiting and desperate to buy a piece of my work but there was hardly anything in fact there wasn't anything left apart from some studies and she she found this tiny little ear that had started so it, it's probably I don't know, maybe four centimetres or something like that. It was very, very small. And it was my first attempt of egg tempera. So it was an egg tempera ear. And she begged me if she could, that she could buy it. And I said, I said, it's not finished. I can't sell it, but I'm going home tomorrow. I have to, I want to buy something. So she bought this ear and she took it all the way back to New York. So that always stuck with me as being quite an amusing wee story. Uh, I can't remember the question now, what it, what it was. Oh, Prince Charles. Prince Charles, right. So Prince Charles, um, when I was a student, a piece of my work was purchased to be gifted to him, which I actually was there when it happened. And from that, which was lovely, it was a lovely privilege. I think he he was visiting the art school at the time. So that was photographed. But after that, I kept up a relationship with him that I would tell him about exhibitions, solo shows, keep him in touch. And I was all very close to being, well, I was invited to meet him and take my work for for an Edinburgh when he was visiting. It was this is a number of years ago, but unfortunately it was cancelled for a garden party or something. So I never got to do that, which was a bit of a shame. So I've met him again at other things at garden parties and things. So yeah, there's a wee bit of history there. Awesome. It was one of my pencil drawings that he was given, one of my first ones, one of my very detailed ones that so that was quite nice as well. And we noticed that throughout your your career, you've had a very successful career, lengthy career. Where has your motivation emanated from? Oh. Oh, that's a difficult question, but you, I suppose you look for motivation and inspiration every day and it comes from lots of things, films, not that I'm a film buff or anything like that, but think you just see something visual and it inspires you. People, seeing people, faces, 
life events I think that that motivates me things that happen to you and it's not an artistic thing as I touched on earlier like you know maybe losing someone you love like I lost my dad and then I did a body of work about that but it's not a depressing body of work it's I don't know you look for inspiration every day motivation well it's my it's it's who I am it's it's all I am really that's who I am and what I'm here to do that's the way I see it if I don't do that then what would I do but I want to do it. I love doing it it makes me happy when I do it have you been inspired by like anything like books or literature or anything you read? Does that inspire you? Obviously, the, like the written word, and then you get an image in your head, and then you think, "I would like to paint that." Or is it all from a modelling kind of point of view, or is there anything that you just conjure? I I would say not so much written pieces. All the odd thing might inspire me, but more visual things and other artists' work, um, exhibitions that I might have seen. There's things I saw as as a child, like a Joan Ardley exhibition that impacted me hugely. Just there's things like that. Just seeing seeing what my my partner's an artist as well, so that's really nice. So we kind of bounce off each other a bit. We work quite closely together, so that inspires me as well. I've I'll written entire, sorry, I've written entire songs that are quotes from books. You know what I mean, like one line, and that's it. It becomes a title of a song, and then I write a whole story about that. And it can mean absolutely nothing to do with the book, but yeah. I, as I say, you drive it from different uh, from, from different places. Some of my recent work actually has been very inspired by old master paintings. So there's uh, what I've been doing, like the bath painting you mentioned, it's got two paintings in the background, but there's a painting called Between Masters that I did, and it's two old master paintings behind my model. And that's that was a significant piece that I did in lockdown. And I think it came from not being able to see paintings. Um, there's a short video that I, I filmed talking about why I, what I did and why I did it. And that's continued on. So I'll, I've been picking artists that I admire and they've been popping up in my paintings behind some of my interiors or, or people as well. So that's that's something. So I suppose it's not a written thing, but that's definitely an inspiration coming from, from there. And that's continuing at the moment. I'm continuing that theme. That we spoke to Donald Finlay in one of the podcasts who admitted openly he was an entire atheist. And we just wondered whether uh, you've got any spiritual beliefs yourself. Yeah, I do. I'm a very spiritual person and I'm a Christian. So that's what I class myself as. But I do, it's very much part of what I do. And I'm, you know, a lot of my works to do with creation, like, the face and making people to actually study the beauty of the face it doesn't always have to be a beautiful person but it's it's almost like putting a pause and forcing people to look at something especially the big massive portraits and to appreciate the quality of light and how it falls in a face so yes no it's it is hugely important to me and I, I pray about my work a lot and what I'm going to do and it's it's my expression of of something that means something to me. Do you find the artwork spiritual within itself, that what you're actually taking from it? Do you find it enlightening to your life? I think it's definitely, it does something for me that I would miss if I couldn't do it. I would be, I couldn't not do it. Spiritually enlightening, I don't know. I think, I think it's almost like a, it's, it feels to me when I do it, that's what I'm made to do. So I, I think I'm so happy that I chose this career path because I'm fulfilled because of that mm-hmm. every day, every time I do it. See, for like myself um, and playing in a live situation, there's an obvious sense of euphoria when you play a good show, you know, band plays well, everybody's tight, and it's there's a symbiosis between yourself and the, really, the audience, you know, it kind of lifts the general mood. Would you say that that feeling that you get when you finish a piece and you see it in your, you know, I know you said earlier that you're, you're never 100% satisfied, but do you get 
that lift, the sense of euphoria from it? I think that feeling comes in a different at a different time. I think for me, it's when somebody talks to me about how the work makes them feel. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a wonderful email I got a few years ago, and it's about a, it was about a painting that I did called Happy. And the girl's not happy in the painting. It was one of my kind of graffiti series, and I'd, I'd chosen to paint it with my hands, and I've written about that piece as well. Um, but this lady said she wanted to thank me because she'd seen an image of the painting, and she didn't even have the painting, but she put the wee image up. And she suffered terribly with depression. But she said that that painting really encouraged her to just make it through each day. Mm. And I've had I've had a lot of emotional response to my painting. So for me, when I hear that it changes someone or it helps someone, that's when I get that feeling. I, would I suppose say. that's a kind of almost it's a parallel, isn't it? And obviously, because if we're a musician and we can see somebody really getting something from what we're doing, then that's what kind of gives you that boost. And again, when you see when you find that identification with someone's has a piece of your art and obviously is kind of consoled by it or elated or whatever emotion it is it brings out. It's great. It's, 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 it's interesting to hear. Thank you. It's lovely when you, I have done many a commission and people will cry when they get the commission and that's, that means the world to me because I feel I've done my job if I can evoke an emotion like that. It's, it's, like, it's like a raging greet. That's it. Fun. <laughs> We've done. Done my job. Absolutely. <laughs> As an artist, I've got you. Touched you. Yeah, Duffy, you've made me cry many a time, but it's not through it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I, I, I have a voice of an angel. <laughs> so one of the questions I wanted to ask earlier, when, when I see the two different sizes of art pieces that you've got behind you, is there a specific thought that says, I must do it six foot tall or I must do it the four by four? Most of the time, if it's my own work and not a commission, um, it's just because it feels right. Everything I do in my studio is, I would say, is intuitive. So I will, I will feel right today. I need to start this, or I really need to. Like I'm, I'm feeling to do big paintings at the moment. So I've gone back to doing. I did another big one, which is I just sold, which is great. But I want to do more big pieces. I want to do. I've got ideas for a huge head that I want to do. Sometimes I feel like doing a small painting, or sometimes I, I do the two at once so that I can have a small and a large to bounce off each other. Well, see, if, you want, a, if you want a huge head, <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my particular cranium is massive, massive, <laughs> the, the, the Duffy head. But yeah, if you're, if you're needing a life model. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if I, I like to paint huge paintings because I'm not very tall. I'm not a very big person, so I, I quite, I sometimes think it's, it's a way of making myself get seen. <laughs> I think also that's maybe well, why they started. <laughs> also as well from big and small paintings, it would just depend on the canvases that you had to hand as well sometimes. Yeah, it, it does like, sometimes. Sometimes ah. it does, but most of the time, if you're doing a new body of work, it's, it's like, oh, no, I really want to do a big painting, so I need to get something big to paint on. Now we've said uh, that you've been particularly busy, Denise, and uh, just wondered that during your daily routine whether you managed to incorporate some healthy exercise. Do you manage your health in any specific way? Yes, I, I do. I, I, me and my partner tend to exercise in the morning. We have a, a routine. He's very, He's got a great routine and I've kind of adopted his because it's been good in lockdown as well. But yes, I would always do something to keep me sane. <laughs> That way, and to keep me, but to keep me healthy, because obviously we're sitting down a lot. We're we're not sedentary. Um, I did used to. Uh, I took up Muay Thai a few years ago, which was 
which seems very contrary to who I am. But the great thing about that was you had to think a lot. So for me, I was thinking so much in my studio, I needed something to think a lot to wind down and that that did it. And it was really good because it got me very fit as well. That's so very you do need something. It's very meditative, you know, you know, there's that kind of point in uh, martial arts where, as you say, you need to very centre yourself, you know, especially with form, you know, the more kind of form within a, the art itself, the more, as you say, you need to concentrate and think about what you're doing. You need to concentrate or you get punched in the face. That <laughs> too, like that yeah. <laughs> that's why I like the kind of more kind of, uh, you know, like non-contact. Uh, that's what I like. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it, but I think I really enjoyed it because of the 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 um, mental aspect of it, the thinking, it was definitely, I'd noticed that with things before I tend to enjoy them if you have to think to mm-hmm. do them. Who would you say in your life are the three people that have inspired you the most and why would they be there? Well, I think my art teacher that I mentioned early on was a pivotal person that helped me. I would say, this is going to sound dead soppy, but I would say my parents, my mum and dad, they believed in me before I even knew to believe in myself and they encouraged me. So I'd say them as well. And now, I don't know. I mean, it's different. It changes as you go through things. I think my my partner now, Dale, he, he, he I don't know, I, I look up to things he says. We, we help each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes say things that we don't like to each other about our work, but that's important as well. Excellent. No, that's, yeah. I, I, I find a lot of identification in that as well. My mum and dad were, although they, they, they didn't particularly love my usual brand of heavy metal or grunge when I was a teenager, they were very, uh, they encouraged me to, to do what you want to do and what's going to make you happy. And that's what you need, especially if you're going to be an artist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. The best advice that you've ever been given and what advice would you give to the next generation of artists coming through? The best advice I, I think I, I was given was by my art teacher again, who said to go to art school because it made you happy. I think she saw herself maybe in similarity and she knew that's what made her happy. So that, because of my career, that was significant. What advice would I give? Well, I would, I would say that if you want to do something, you need to work extremely hard and you'll always need to work hard. It doesn't, you don't arrive and then you don't have to work anymore. You need to believe, I mean, it's such a cliche, you need to believe in yourself. Well, you do need to believe in yourself, but you can believe in yourself and not work hard and not get anywhere. You need to stick at something and not not branch off into too many other things. That's exactly what I tell my children. I say, I've, I've always opened up the possibilities for them to do anything they want to do. And then they say to me, they want to be this or that, that. And I say, well, anything that you're going to have, you're going to have to work hard for. And not only are you going to have to work hard for, you're going to, in this day and age, you're going to have to work exceptionally hard to get what it is that you want, you know, and nothing will come for them easily, you know, and that's it. I have to say, though, if you're going to do something, you have to commit to it. And also as well, when you're saying that, be true to yourself. That has been literally a theme through all of our podcasts. I think every single person that's came on has said that directly or a variation of. As an artist, you do need to, um, it's probably similar with yourself, but you do need to believe in yourself, even when things don't look like they're going the way you want them to go. So you could do a piece of work and then nobody buys it for some time, but you have to stand by what you've done and it's tough and you need to be really tough. So I think I think if it's for you, if you're meant to do that, you develop that toughness, but it's not easy, but nothing's easy. So you might as well pick something you love. <laughs> exactly, and develop it. That's what I'm saying. My son's got raw musical talent, but he kind of cuts about after playing the guitar for the were like he's Jimi Hendrix. And I'm like, listen, I said Jimi Hendrix never took his guitar off. He went and made a cup of tea, had the guitar on, and I said, and that's what it takes. That 
mastery of the the craft in order for you to make to make it look easy, as they say. You make that look very easy. You're like, mm. I know, and it's not. It's not. People don't see the years of grafting. That's it. Develop. Think, it's like that muscle memory. You know what I mean? You've developed yeah. this in your head. You know what you're about to do, or you can see it before it. I mean, there are sometimes I I can have a dream about writing a song and then wake up and then play with my fingers in my head when I saw them on the actual guitar board. And there's a song in there, and you know, and there's like some of these kind of crazy wee things that happen, but you have to be prepared to grab it when you get it. You know, the inspiration and take it and run with it. I think for me as well, not if somebody wants to be an artist, like seriously wants to be a painter, is don't stop painting. So don't take breaks. I mean, you can take a holiday for a week or something, but I don't take breaks. I will, I will take a holiday of a week and that's it. But generally I don't. I work. Because if you stop, you have to start again. It's like if you don't exercise. So it doesn't mean you have to produce you know, hours of work of paintings every day but you do need to do something you need to be thinking about it or thinking about your next idea even that alone or it's really difficult to get started again absolutely denise thanks very much for joining us yeah thank you so much when you get a real job podcast thank you thanks very much for that